Well, grace and peace to you, church and visitors. Our prayer as a staff, as a board and worship team, is that today, if you haven't already, you would encounter the power of the Holy Spirit, the grace of God, and the peace of Christ that surpasses all understanding. That is our hope. Let's pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts as your people be pleasing to you in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. All right, so on the worship bulletin, where is that? Probably not over here. Over here. The title. So if you've ever gotten a text from me or an email or maybe even talking to you one-on-one, you know that grammar is not my spiritual gift. (laughs) For real. However, this Sunday, the word blessed, hashtag blessed, because I was trying to be hip and cool, um, is spelled... I think correctly, with three T's. I want to share with you that spelling the word blessed with three T's will remind us how God has blessed us and how we can bless others. I don't know about you, uh, but during this Lenten season, a great companion for me has been our Lenten postcard daily devotional book. This has been a wonderful book, and I'm deeply grateful for even our youth as our student leaders have been journeying through this devotional book and even posting about the main point. So it's been great. Before I've even done the devotional, I feel like I get a summary from our SLT uh, members on our social media page. And so I'm deeply grateful for that. And as I read the beginning of this devotional book, there's a quote from the authors that really capture the season of Lent very well. And so there's a slide here with this quote on page five. It says, The season of Lent bears the emphasis... That are so much, that's so much at the heart of evangelicalism. An awareness of our need for grace, a deep conviction of sin, a profound appreciation for the sufferings of Christ on our behalf, and a hunger to be shaped and formed into greater likeness of Jesus. Through Lent, we are focusing on the idea that we've prayed about and we've sang about already, that God has turned towards us and that we turn towards God. Last week, we sat in the prayer closet with the prophet Daniel. We saw the prophet and the people faced with the brokenness of the world around them, as well as their own brokenness, and the need to be the faithful people of God. This morning, our text comes from the Old Testament in the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. If you have a Bible with you, this would be a great time to grab that to get to Genesis chapter 12. Verses 1 through 4. Now, this text, um, we're, we're going to hear about the promise of God to Abram, who will later on be called Abraham. But to understand the fullness of the history, we've got to understand that there's a few scenes in the story of God that's already unfolded before us. After the first few chapters of creation and fall, human beings hide from God in guilty fear. And the following chapters, uh, 4 to 10, combine with this escalating crescendo of human sin along repeated marks of grace. Sometimes we only focus about this crescendo of human sin and we forget about God's presence and God's grace in their lives. Some of these marks are that Adam and Eve are clothed. It's a mark of grace. Cain is protected. 
and Noah and his family are saved. See, life goes on, and creation is preserved under, over, under the covenant. The great creation project is, is still moving forward, but it's limping under the crippling weight of human sin. However, our story turns to Genesis 11, and there's a little bit of trouble here. See, the human decision to build a city with a, with a large tower seems to combine arrogance and insecurity. Arrogance in wanting to make a name for themselves and insecurity in wanting not to be scattered over the whole earth as God intended. In Genesis 11, the Babel story presents us with people who seem intent on invading the heavens even while resisting God, God's will for them on earth. The people at Babel wanted to worship God but still wanted life their way, not God's way. This Genesis story shows how every dimension of life is tragically adrift of the original goodness of God's purpose. Human beings are added to their catalog of evil as a generation rolls past. In the first chapters of Genesis, we see jealousy, anger, murder, vengeance, violence, corruption, drunkenness, arrogance, and more. Sometimes when I hear people say, Oh, I'm going to tell this story to our kids uh, in the beginning of Genesis. I'm like, wait, hold on. What story are you going to tell in the beginning of Genesis? Because the beginning of Genesis is not mostly PG. And the question we ask is, what is God going to do next? What is God going to do? What is God going to do with this sin problem in Genesis 12? And what is God going to do in the sin problem in our world today? Well... Christopher Wright, a theologian, says this about our text this morning. He says, something that only God could have thought of. That's what God's up to. God sees an elderly, childless couple in the land of Babel itself and decides to make them the launching pad of God's whole mission of cosmic redemption. Big picture statement. I am deeply grateful, I don't know about you, that this is how God works. God works by doing something that only God could have thought of. That God's ways are higher than our ways. Okay. So really quickly, I want to see your hands. You don't need to like raise them super high. You can do this like whole like little small thing so that people don't see. That's perfectly fine. Raise your hand if you are 75 years or older. Raise your hand or just... Be, be proud, I'd be proud about it, but raise your hand. Awesome. Put your hand down. Put your hand down, Caleb. Get out of here. Those that are 75 and older that rose, raise their hand. This text this morning is for you. Your age does not disqualify you from being a crucial part of God's whole mission of cosmic redemption. Now, for the few rest of us that are 75 and under, raise your hand. Awesome. Put your hand down. This text is also for you. Your age does not disqualify you from being a crucial part of God's whole mission of cosmic redemption. Amen? Amen. Okay. With that, let me read Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 4 from the New Revised Standard Version. Now the Lord said to Abram, 
Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and in in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. This is a word from the Lord. The call of Abram is the beginning of the mission of God and the mission of God's people. Now, if I had been tasked to begin a new history after all that had happened from Genesis 1 to 11, I would have done so in a more helpful context than Abram and Sarah. But that is not how God works. This God speaks God's powerful word directly into a situation of barrenness. Barrenness was a metaphor without children. And this this metaphor also symbolized without hope of a future. This is the ground of the good news. This God does not depend on any potentiality in the one that God addresses. They were without potential, and God used them. If you are here this morning and you feel like you have no potential, you have no hope, you don't know what the future is hold, I am here to tell you that you are a part of God's whole mission of cosmic redemption for the world. Walter Brueggemann, an Old Testament scholar, says this of how important this text is this morning. He says, indeed, it's perhaps the most important structural break in the Old Testament, and certainly in Genesis. It distinguishes between the history of humankind and the history of Israel, between the history of the curse and the history of the blessing. And the history of blessing doesn't emerge from a vacuum. God calls the fixed ones into a pilgrimage, into an intentional journey towards God. The speech, the way God calls Abraham and Sarah and us And for them, this barren family is a call to abandonment, a call of relinquishment. In our Nazarene Wesleyan holiness tradition, we would maybe use the word fully surrender. Holiness, being all in for Jesus. It is a call of dangerous departure from the presumed world of norms and security. Such a step of trust and faith, of course, for Abraham and Sarah is exceedingly difficult to speak of, particularly in our culture today, which focuses on self-indulgence and self-security. But notice the words that were read about Genesis 12. The summons are not law. They're not even discipline. These words that God says are a promise. The narrative knows that such departure from securities is the only way out of barrenness. See, the whole story of Abraham is premised on this seemingly contradiction. To stay in safety is to remain barren. But to leave in risk is to have hope. 
I'll say that again. To stay in safety is to remain barren. To leave in risk is to have hope. This call from the Lord, of course, is echoed in the invitation of Jesus. It's a slide here of Mark chapter 8, verse 35. It says, Forever, who, For whoever would save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake in the Gospels will save it. This is what Lent is all about for us. A turning to a God who has already turned towards us. Recognizing that God has turned towards us in the ultimate loving image of the way, life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. And as we examine the life of Jesus and honestly examine our own lives, that we too have places in our life that we don't want to let go of. We really don't. Places that we, we've become too comfortable with. Maybe even crutches that we've allowed to be our identity. That might even be our idols. Perhaps this departure of the old life that we live is too great of a cost for some of us. I wonder if there's a conversation with Abraham and Sarah. And Sarah's like, ah, that cost is a little high. Let's stay where we're at. See, especially because we know of our old life is like. We know what our past is like. We know the brokenness. We even know our personal challenges. The theme of departure to promise governs much of the gospel tradition. With Jesus, as with Abraham, the call is dangerously open-ended. And I say this as someone that loves to know the beginning, the middle, the end, and all the facts in between of the story that's before me. What is dangerous about this call is that we as people are not the main initiator of this relationship with God. We are more the recipients than the producers. The speech in our text in Genesis 12 is an imperative and a promise. Some scholars say it's a promise full of imperatives. God says, I will bless you. Then God says, I will make you. I will magnify your name. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. I, 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 and I. Throughout those four verses. Could we imagine a way that we live in a world ordered by blessings and by curses? Do we posture ourselves? Do we take time every day to number the blessings that are before us? I don't know about you, but sometimes I forget that I woke up in a warm house. I have clothes that are washed. I got to have a really sweet cup of coffee and some food this morning. Those are blessings that mostly the rest of the world does not have. Sometimes I'm so focused on the curses before me, the things that I'm worried about, the things that are in the news, that I shouldn't hold anybody's hand or whatever that looks like. See, to be blessed, when we come to Genesis 12, the word blessing includes this concept of fruitfulness, of multiplication, of spreading, of filling, of abundance. It is a life-affirming word. That is what God wants for the nations of humanity. However, there's nothing mechanical about being blessed in this way. 
You can't do A and B and get blessed with C. No, that's not how this works. See, being blessed, as the slide says here, hashtag blessed with three T's. I want to remind you, just try to be cool. Being blessed is set within relationships that are both vertical and horizontal. That is, blessing is dependent on relationship with God and blessing is something to be shared in relationship with the other. Whoever that other is. God does not bless us for just our sake. God blesses us so that we can bless others in the name of the Lord for the sake of the kingdom of God. So, I'm going to be straight with you. This is my last sermon, why not? You are not blessed when you are done grocery shopping and a line opens up and you don't need to wait in line. You are not blessed when you get your tax return back and just thank God that you received more money than you thought. You are not blessed when you get the part in the play or you get on the sports team that you've desired for a while now. And you are not blessed when you do your daily devotions and it speaks to your life. You are blessed by the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Jesus. When you are done grocery shopping and a line opens up so that you can actually have a conversation with the cashier that's been looked at all day like a product and not a person. You are blessed when you get your tax return back and you surrender that money to the kingdom of God and you find ways to bless others. Maybe bless someone else that has only the simple things in life. And if you do this as a family... What a beautiful opportunity to teach your kids about the blessings of God. You are blessed when you get a part in a play, not to elevate yourself, but to recognize that you're on that sports team. You're in that play for that season, for a particular reason, to share those blessings, to share God's love with your interactions with those people. You are blessed by the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Jesus when you engage in your daily devotions and it speaks to your life so that it transforms the way that you live that day. Being blessed with three T's. I want to suggest that the three T's are actually for a reason. I want to share those three T's with you of how God blesses us so that we can bless others for the sake of the kingdom of God. Now I'm going to create some um, suspense by drinking some water. <laughs> the first blessing with a T is time. Life is a gift. And the time we have on this earth is a blessing from God. No matter if you're over 75 or you're under 75, we don't know when life will end. So for that very reason, life is a gift. So um, if you don't know me well, uh, I love Christian hip-hop a lot. Um, I think that hip-hop in the world tells of a really bad story of derogatory towards women, and um, it's really tough to listen to, honestly. But to listen to Christian music is to speak hope into darkest places. And I love a Christian artist named Lecrae. 
who's got a song called Blessings. So maybe some of you don't always listen to Christian hip-hop, um, but there are some lyrics here that are a beautiful example of the importance that God blesses us with time each and every day. So, I see some of you already trying to sing the song. So, we are going to be listening to the um, chorus in the first section of this song. Now, I know it'll be quick. We're going to try to turn up the volume a little bit so we can hear this. The lyrics are going to try to be on the screen here, and I'm also going to read them, which will be hilarious after. Um, <laughs> but as you listen to this song, even if it's not the genre for you, maybe it's a genre that can still speak to you. By the idea that we are blessed with time. Let's listen. If I ever took a loss, I learned a lesson. I won't ever think I'm better than the next man. I've been down before to come up, I ain't stressing. Baby, I'm too busy counting all these blessings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Canada, Canada, Canada. Line em up, line em up, line em up. Spread the sun shining on me, get my heart up. No matter that trouble surrounding us. They don't see that it's a lot of us. Everybody move anonymous. Won't take that credit, I know what we get it. Them blessings be coming from God above. I was doing all kind of bad. What a quiet. Tell them I need a verse. Hit the pew and tell God he's first. Hit the studio, the body of verse. I remember pushing mama a little way high and there with no gas money. I just bought a car cash money. I prayed. I was like, do I just start jamming out on the platform? I was like, no, nah, I want them to focus on the lyrics. So I was trying to stay cool. All right, let me, let me read you some of these lyrics if maybe you didn't catch it. The chorus goes, if I ever took a loss, I learned a lesson. I won't ever think I'm better than the next man. I've been down before the come up. I ain't stressing. Baby, I'm too busy counting all these blessings. The chorus speaks from Lecrae's mouth, always seeking every moment as a learned blessing. As a learned blessing. And I'm telling you right now, he grew up with a single mom. He had some difficult situations. He was abused as a child from a babysitter. He came up in difficult situations, didn't grow up in a Christian home. But now he proclaims the gospel in places that most people would say, there's nothing Christian in that area. He then goes on in the lyrics. He says, won't take that credit. I know where we get it. Then blessings be coming from God above. Okay, I don't know about you, but artists, celebrities, usually they want all the credit. Not this song. Won't take that credit. I know where we get it. Then blessings be coming from God above. And at the end, it says this. I ain't saying I deserve nothing. I'm just trying to talk about the benefits. I've been punching in the clock which, by the way, translation, that just means working for many hours. Okay. <laughs> Trying to keep the kitchen stocked. He would talk about, and in the lyrics, it goes on to say that he used to eat bologna for breakfast because that's all that they had before they went to school. And it says, man, it's a blessing because we ain't ever had a lot, but all we need is all we got. 
Again, this might not be a genre that you like, but I hope it's a genre that can speak to you this morning. That time is a gift. And for Tori and I, we've been truly blessed by the time we've had here. Sharing lots of good coffee with many of you. Talking about life and God. And I appreciate the time with our journey group. Every other Saturday night at someone's house. Eating good food. Praying for each other. Keeping us accountable. Challenging us. I'm grateful for the gift of time. The blessing of time. Our second T, no, I'm just kidding, I won't build some suspense, (laughs) is talent. It's talent. We have all been gifted with certain personality traits and abilities. Now, we have to recognize those personalities and traits. We have to cultivate them, and we have to strengthen them every day. But, let's recognize that the origin of it all is God. And Tori and I have been blessed by the talent of so many of you teachers that invest in our young people from children, from the nursery, all the way to those that invest into our senior high students and our young adults. We are deeply grateful for that talent. I was thinking about a worldly um, example of talent. So um, one that came to mind really quickly was Kobe Bryant. And I'm telling you as a Celtics fan, God had to do some good work for me to tell you about a Laker. (laughs) Kobe Bryant's life and his career had two parts. The beginning of his career, from the early 2000, 2002, won three championships with Shaquille O'Neal. And we all know that he tried to be the best player on the team, and there are moments, but mostly we all know that Shaquille O'Neal was the best player on that team. And his desire was to be the best. His desire was to be like Michael Jordan, personal goals. Then Kobe Bryant had a second career. At the end of his career, he focused on pushing other players, sharing his talents and his gifts to others. Players that he didn't need to invest in. Not just players on his team, but players in the league. He invested in players like Donovan Mitchell and Trey Young, who was Gigi's favorite player, and Jason Tatum. Players that he might have played in the league for for one year, but players that he retired to after. Players that these players looked up to him. Pedestal. Oh my, Kobe Bryant's the goal. And then Kobe invested in their life and gave of his talent and his knowledge and his information. He impacted the game not because of his championships or not to elevate the Lakers. It's because he shared his talents and his treasures even when he was retired. See, for Kobe, retirement was never an excuse. It was an opportunity for him to invest in others. The third T, I am going to build some suspense for you with that third T, though. So we had time, talent, and the third is treasures. And I just... We listened to a song from Lecrae, so I'm going to quote him again. He says this about treasures. He says, everything we own is a temporary loan, and we need to remember that. So I'm reflecting on this sermon for the last couple of weeks, knowing that this is my text. We go to a pastor luncheon, talking about a whole different subject. And I meet this, this new pastor from Danvers. Big, strong, burly dude. So as he's talking, I'm just staring 
jealously at his beer. Like, right? <laughs> and he starts telling this story, right? We start talking blessings about ministry. He shares this story about, um, he was doing children's church, and he's teaching about uh, treasures and about caring for the least of these. Two children, mind you. He talks to them and says, you know, when we read this text about caring for the least of these, he says it's interesting that most of us, we give of our socks and our clothes. Sometimes we give like socks that have holes or jackets that we don't really like anymore. He said, this is interesting. It's interesting because if we're really giving to the least of these and we're really giving to Jesus, would we really give Jesus our socks that have holes or the jackets that we don't want? If Jesus came into our lives, wouldn't we give our best? So his whole message to these children was, we give our best. We give of our treasures. We first give our treasures to the kingdom of God, right? And then the rest of it is also a blessing that we use. So he tells a story, and as a pastor, you, you pray about what's heavy on your heart for a people, and then you just pray that that fruit will appear someday. So the next Sunday goes around. By this time, this big, burly, bearded pastor starts crying. You can notice when a big man starts crying. Like, what happened? So he goes on to tell me that the next Sunday as they're passing the offering plate, this little boy that was so attentive to the lesson takes out of his pocket two holographic Pokemon cards and puts it in the offering plate. So the pastor is like crying, right, telling me this story. He's saying... I asked him later on, why, why did you give holographic Pokemon cards? He said, these are the most two valuable things I own. And I want to give them to the least of these. I want to give them to Jesus. Now, I had Pokemon cards growing up, the original 151. I didn't even have my mom look at the holographic cards because I was worried she was going to take them. <laughs> this is such a beautiful story of a child teaching us that we give of our treasures to God, our best to Jesus. And Tori and I recognize that for many of you, you have given of your treasures to us as you purchase these simple sweatshirts to support Tori and I as we have begun the journey of being the family that God wants us to be. Not, not the family that we want, but the family that God wants us to have. And we are forever grateful for that that encouragement. We don't know if we would be doing this right now without all of you. At this time, if I can have the band come up, I want to share one quick story. I have always appreciated that this faith community has from the very beginning blessed others with their treasures. I don't know if you know, but sometimes when pastors come into congregations, you, you want to learn this story, the history. I remember when Jeff and I sat together and he started sharing me a story and even gave me a CD, the story of a, of a woman. This church started as a church plant from Lowell. Maybe some of you know this. It started with four or five families that committed to prayer. They were dependent upon God through prayer. Two of those families mortgaged their homes to start the Ministry of Community Chapel. They didn't start it to build this building. They were committed to the kingdom of God and what God is doing in the city of Nashua and the surrounding towns. 
they gave of their treasures in a way that is crazy. It's crazy. So what does it look like for us to recognize that God has blessed us with time? God has blessed us with talent. And God has blessed us with treasures so that we can bless others. See, we have to recognize that being on the journey of of hashtag blessed life with three T's is to live into a journey of tension. We know that we will be watching two stories unfold in our life. One, on the one hand, we will know the history of the arena of human sin in our world. But on the other hand, we will now be watching of the footprints of God's blessings, looking forward to how we will keep God's vast promises to bringing about God's blessings wherever we find ourselves. To do this, to fully follow Jesus in this way, is to give of our entire selves away. It is to give of our time. It is to give of our talent. It is to give of our treasures. To give our life away to God is to receive life from God so that God can bless us and that then we can bless others for the sake of the kingdom of God. To truly be blessed is to recognize all of God's blessings in such a way that we begin to interject hope wherever we find ourselves. Amen? Amen. Let us respond and reflect on these words this morning as we sing, I give my